Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Section 10 now, and looking at the seven judgments, and in the first vision, uh, we're going to comment on here is... Uh, uh, chapter 17, verses 1 to 18, Religious and Ecclesiastical Babylon. And then number 2, the second vision here, uh, John uh, sees uh, uh, in chapter 18, Political and Commercial Babylon. And then, of course, parenthetical, we have the Hallelujah Course, the Marriage of the Lamb. So, uh, what I want to look at here is, is uh, some expositors say, well, uh, Revelation 17 and 18 are one and the same thing. So uh, I, I would disagree agreeably with that, and I'll tell you why. So um, you've got a blank page there, which you'll have to sort of take an outline. I'm going to work through. But first of all, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 24. So Matthew 24, uh, as far as we can get anyway, uh, on the city battle. Now, as I said, some expositors believe that uh, Revelation 17 and 18 are one and the same thing because we're told in the last verse of chapter 17, and the woman is that great city called Babylon. So they say, well, because the woman is called Babylon, therefore the woman and the city are one and the same thing. Well, I'm going to show you that I believe there's a difference there in the school that I hold to, that they're not one and the same thing, though they have the same name, the same spirit, same nature and characteristic uh, is in both, but there is a difference. Okay, now, let's uh, look at a few verses in uh, Matthew chapter 24, just by way of introduction. Matthew chapter 24, and I want to read, um, this is uh, Matthew's little uh, uh, book of Revelation, we might say, a panoramic view of the book of Revelation, and in Matthew 24, we'll pick up in verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as it was in the days of Noah, or as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So remember we referred to the days of Noah, the shut door, Holy Spirit, no more conviction, convicting of sin. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. For as in the days of Noah, or as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. They knew not, the flood just came, and that was it. They then shall two be in the field, the one will be taken, and the other left. And then in verse 41 is what I want to draw your attention to. Two women, and I know the, I know the word woman is supplied in, ita in italics, but I want to draw your attention. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one will be taken and the other left. Now, a woman in the, ch in the, in the scripture is always a picture of the church. And uh, two women, two churches. And I want to just, uh, just give you a few examples here. I've gone through, in my fanaticism here, the whole theme in the Bible of the theme of two women. So I want to give you some examples of two women because when we get to the book of Revelation, there were two women in the book of Revelation. We will see. One is taken, one is left. Okay? We'll come back to it. Alright, so just put down, I'll only give you two or three examples. But uh, number one, there are two women in the life of Abraham. 
Hagar and Sarah. And they just didn't seem to get on too well. A little bit of conflict there, to say the least. Two women. Number two, there were two women in the life of Jacob. Rachel and Leah. And a lot of conflict. So two women. The number one, two women in Abraham's life, Hagar and Sarah. Two women in Jacob's life, Rachel and Leah. And the conflict between these two women. Number three, there were two women in Elkanah's life. Elkanah, that's in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah, Hannah and Penaniah. And the conflict between those two women. Elkanah, just 1 Samuel chapter 1 anyway, so two women. Number three, in the book of Proverbs, the theme of the book of Proverbs, one of the major themes of the book of Proverbs, is two women. There is the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, and there is the harlot woman of Proverbs chapter 7. Two women. Don't get mixed up with the wrong girl. <laughs> number, uh, where are you up to? Number four? Five. Five, okay. Uh, number five, of all the parables that Jesus told, he only told two parables of two women. One woman, Matthew 13, 33. Matthew 13, 33. She put leaven in the meal until the whole three measures of meal were corrupted by the subtle, silent, subtle, secret influence of the leaven. The woman and the leaven. And then the other one was a good woman. The woman and the lost coin of silver which she needed for the marriage. Luke 15, verses 8 and 9. Luke 15, 8 and 9. So two women in the parables of Jesus. And then I want you to turn over to, uh, what are you up to? Just, uh, just a couple more. Six, all right. Number six, I want you to turn over, just put down for your title, two women in the vision of Zechariah. Now I want you to turn over to uh, this one. So, so God keeps repeating these themes all the way through the Word. That's, that's what always overwhelms me, the, the glory of the thing. Wow, you just keep repeating and telling us over again till we get the message, okay? Uh, Zechariah. So two women in Zechariah was you. The last one there, two women there. Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah chapter 5. And uh, Zechariah chapter 5, and put down for your notes anyway, Zechariah chapter 5, verses 5 to 11. And I'd like you to look at this because it sort of leads into what we're going to be looking at in chapter 17 and 18 of Revelation. Zechariah 5 and verse 5. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said to me, Lift up now your eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, what is it? And he said, this is an ephah, which is a symbol of commerce, that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their resemblance throughout all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sits in the midst of the ephah. And he said, this is wickedness. And he cast it in the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted up my eyes, and looked, and behold, there came out two women. One woman becomes two women. 
and the wind was in their wings, and they had wings like the wings of a storm. Now, I know we didn't cover all this, but Revelation chapter 12, there's a woman there who has the wings of an eagle. Preserved of God. Here's two women who have the wings of a storm. And they lifted up the ether between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, and Zachariah's always full of questions, just like you feel. <laughs> where, where do these bear the ephah? And listen to his answer, verse 11. He said unto me, to build it a house in the land of Shinar. That's where Babylon was. Now Babylon has already fallen. Zachariah's out of Babylon. So what are these two women going to Babylon for where the Tower of Babylon was built? To build a house, and it will be in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. One of the greatest proofs that Babylon would be rebuilt. Anyway, two women in Zechariah. Alright, the next one now is what I've given you. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Now I said all that just by way of introducing uh, what we're going to look at in Revelation chapter 17. In the book of Revelation, there are two women. Revelation uh, chapter 12, the woman who is miraculously preserved for three and a half years. Revelation chapter 17, the woman who is destroyed by the ten kings of the beast empire. So two women grinding together at the mill, both grinding up their little doctrines and their uh, thing, and both mothers, both closed. One is taken into the wilderness and preserved. One is left for destruction by the ten kings. That's the picture. So that whole theme of two women and the conflict between two women. And as I said, a woman represents a church, a true church. So a woman of Revelation 12 is the true church, the bride of Christ. A woman of Revelation chapter 17 is the harlot church, the bride of Satan. That's the picture we have. Two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other will be left. That's the picture that we have. All right, now, I'd like you just to, uh, let's see how we go here. Two, true church and a false church. So two women grinding together at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Later on, I'll give you sort of a contrast here. So number one, the first thing we note about her is her designation. And she is designated as in uh, chapter 17, verse 1, come. Uh, there came one of the seven angels which had the seven bowls. So, so it shows it's the same time element. So one of the angels had the seven bowls of wrath. So it's the same time element. And I personally believe uh, that it's at the early days of the tribulation, as we'll see why. Talking was say, uh, saying unto me, Come hither and I'll show you the judgment of the great poor or the great harlot. So a designation, she is a great harlot. Instead of like the church, the pure church, the bride of Christ, a virgin church, because that's what Paul says, I want to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So instead of the virgin church, she's a harlot church. So a designation, number one, is a harlot in contrast. And you can put the contrast down here in contrast to the church, the, the virgin uh, uh, bride of Christ. All right, number two, her position Alright, what is her position? We're told in um, uh, verse... 
some of the verses. She sits upon many waters. So her position, she sits upon many waters. And we have the interpretation of that. Uh, just trying to find the right verse here. Uh, yes, it's verse 15. I'm trying to give you the verse as well. And he said unto me, The waters where, uh, which you saw where the whore sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So this harlot church rules over. She sits upon them. She controls them. She governs them. She, uh, she, she controls So uh, It's a worldwide situation, this woman, this church. Peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So a position ruling and reigning and subjugating people in every nation, kindred and tongue, controlling them. Number three, her habitation is, you'll notice in verse, um, verse three. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. Now in contrast, let's see if we have that type of time, you can just put down like on one column which I've done, Revelation chapter 12, Revelation 17, the church, the bride of Christ, the harlot. This woman is taken away into a wilderness, a place prepared of God where she's preserved. This woman, sitting upon many waters, a harlot, she's, uh, John's taken away in the wilderness. So she's in the wilderness also, but a wilderness without God. Alright, so her habitation, a wilderness without God. John is in the spirit to see the, the churches. He's in the spirit to see the opening of the book. He's in the spirit here to see the condition of this harlot church. Number four, her support. As you go through the chapter, it says, I saw a woman sitting upon a scarlet-colored beast, which is full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Her support is the beast. Now, you know, with this divine jigsaw puzzle that we have here, we have to, you know, try and interpret the, uh, uh, the parts of the puzzle. So in this case, we have the woman <coughs> equal a harlot church. And then we have the beast. We've already seen that the beast is a kingdom and a one world government. So the kingdom... So this beast, this is her support. The beast actually supports the woman. So the woman controls the beast and governs the beast, but the beast actually supports the woman. So there's something political, religious in this thing. That's her support. So support is by the beast. And there's no mistake, the time element here, because the beast has seven heads and ten horns. So it's all relative to this three and a half years. That's what we've got to constantly keep in mind. So the beast symbolic of a kingdom. So it points to a government that is political and commercial. So her support. All right, number three, her clothing. You'll notice what her clothing is. We're told the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet. And you see, this is all in contrast to the bride of Christ. What is the woman in Revelation 12 clothed with? She is clothed with the sun and the moon and the stars. Heavenly glory, heavenly light. What a contrast this is. This woman's clothed with purple and scarlet. 
Purple the colour of royalty and scarlet the colour of blood. No mention of fine linen, as in the garments of the high priest, her clothing. Number six, her ornaments. What are her, uh, her ornaments? Her ornaments, she is adorned with gold, precious stones and pearls. So all the adornment here is earthly glory. Gold, precious stones and pearls. So, the glory. In contrast to the garments of the high priest, this woman is sitting like a mediatrix between God and man. Purple, scarlet, gold, precious stones and pearls. And she's actually sitting there like a high priestess between God and man. Number seven, her cup. You note the cup and it says, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. So it's a golden cup. It's a counterfeit of the divine. But what's in the cup? So in contrast, which we could say of the church, the bride of Christ, when we have the communion table, the cup of blessing, which we bless. So it's a cup, but this is a cup full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. So this is the cup that she's given people to drink. People drinking out that cup. And what are they drinking? Filthiness, abominations. So drunkenness. And uh, as I've got on my note, what a contrast to the cup of the Lord, which the bride of Christ is called upon to drink. And, uh, you know, it's interesting here. Let's, let's just turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11 for a contrast here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, pardon me. Uh, you know, in relation to the communion, Paul uh, uses very peculiar language unless we sort of see this other side of things. So 1 Corinthians 11, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 10. And he says in verse 15, or verse 14, uh, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? So the harlot church is a cup, the bride of Christ, the true church is a cup. Cup of blessing, this is a cup of abominations, contrast. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many of one bread and one body, we all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? Now, listen to the peculiar language he does, all in connection with the Lord's table here. Uh, what say I then? What am I saying then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered to idols is it, uh, in sacrifice to idols anything? No, this is what I'm saying, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Cup of the Lord, cup of devils. You cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils. So a whole picture of this woman partaking of the cup of devils, the cup of drunkenness, cup of full of abominations, table of demons, cup of demons. That's the picture. And abominations and filthiness of a fornication. So all types of immorality that is involved here. All right, number eight. And here's the contrast again. Her forehead. On her name, 
she has a forehead, this is found in verse uh, 5, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the uh, mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So she has a name. Now, just keep, you know, contrasting all the way. Revelation chapter 14 and chapter 7, 144,000 have the father's name in their forehead and have the son's name in the forehead. And then in Revelation 13, the world is taking the mark, the number, the name of the beast in their hand or in their forehead. And here this woman, you see, what's the forehead symbolic of? It's symbol of our mind, our thinking, our reason, uh, all of this, the logic up here. And this woman's mind is saturated with this. And see, Babylon, the very name Babylon means confusion. So there's confusion of mind. So Babylon the Great, mother of harlots. So on her forehead. Uh, I want to turn over to uh, quite a contrast here uh, to um, uh, Ezekiel. Let's turn over to Ezekiel. So the forehead plays uh, very much prominence in the book of Revelation. His name will be in their forehead, the name in the forehead. Let's turn over to Ezekiel. And uh, Ezekiel, uh, or John is quoting so much from Ezekiel also. Uh, Ezekiel chapter... Yes, uh, turn to Ezekiel chapter uh, 9. Alright, in Ezekiel chapter 9, Ezekiel's vision is uh, verse 1. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, uh, even every man with the destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the high gate, uh, which lies toward the north, and every man has slaughtered a weapon. Uh, in his hand, and one man among them was clothed with linen, uh, possibly seven men, one man among the six. Uh, there were the riders in court by his side, and they went and stood beside the brazen altar. Think of the altar of brass. The glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub uh, where he was uh, to the threshold of the house, and he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the riders in court by his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. And set a mark upon the foreheads of all of the men that sigh and cry for the abominations that be done in the midst of. Let me just digress a moment here. Very interesting in the uh, in the Hebrew thought that where he says set a mark upon the forehead, so here's a mark on the forehead, and this is in contrast to Revelation 13, the mark of the beast. And I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but the mark on the forehead actually is the, it's the sign of the cross. It's the letter Tau, and it actually was the sign of the cross that was put on the forehead. That's a tremendous picture that we have there. So mark a mark, set a cross upon the forehead. So the application of the principle of the cross, where our mind is crucified to the world and its affections and its lusts and so forth, having the mind of Christ. So that's the, that's the contrast. And you'll notice as it goes on in the vision here, uh, verse 6, Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little, little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary, because judgment must begin at the house of God. And that's the, the, the picture that we have. So it's a real contrast to this harlot church, this harlot woman 
with the name on her forehead. So Babylon the Great. Babylon, confusion, Babylon the Great. Okay, so number, number eight, her forehead. Number nine, her motherhood. In the same verse, she is referred to as the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, the mother of harlots. So in Revelation 12, that woman is a mother. She is the mother of the man-child. This woman is a mother of harlots. So what we have to be looking at in this uh, picture here is this. Way back here in Genesis, we have the beginning of Babylon. And Babylon is referred to as the mother. So she's the mother. So from this mother, we have all these daughters. Like mother, like daughter, Ezekiel says. So we have this mother church, and we have these daughter churches. And like mother, like daughter, I think as Ezekiel says, and these daughter churches have the same character, same nature, the same spirit in them that's in the mother. That's the picture that we have. So she's a mother, mother of harlots. And uh, their mother, uh, their, their you know, daughters too, just like the mother, like mother, like daughter, I said. Mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. All right, number 10, her trade. We're told in uh, these verses here. With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication, abomination, the filthiness of fornication. Her whole trade is harlotry, evil. Fornication is going on. Spiritual, physical, a lot. Fornication, abominations of the earth. And we're told that the kings and the inhabitants, rulers and peoples uh, have been involved in this illicit relationship. And you see, it's like Israel in the Old Testament. I mean, Israel uh, became a harlot. And Ezekiel uh, 16 talks about that. Israel became a harlot. Judah became a harlot. Married to the Lord, but became harlot. Nations, fornication and drunkenness. That's the picture we have. Then uh, number 11 here, her condition... Listen to her condition. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So here's this church is guilty of martyrdom, slaughtering Christians, slaughtering the saints. She is drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And we can just look back over church history and think, what great mother church has slaughtered millions of Christians? That's a tragic picture. No wonder John saw it and marveled. So her condition, and then number 12, her destruction. Now, once you notice this here, her destruction is, we're told, um, yes, verse 16, verse 16, and the ten horns, which brings you to this time here, the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast, 
until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So who judges this woman? This is what I believe happens here, that uh, at the beginning of this three and a half years, see, in, in the three and a half years as we put these chapters together, remember that chapter, Revelation 13 and Revelation 17, both belong together. We saw from Revelation chapter 17, five of the heads have fallen, and uh, one is and one is yet to come. And, uh, you yeah, know, this gets so complicated here, um, how to say it. I'll have to say it without having a look at the scriptures here. Um, you can't convince and confuse them, is that right? <laughs> Revelation chapter uh, 13, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 12. I'll have to say it, you'll just have to pick it up and think about it between now and the millennium. Revelation chapter 12, we have the seven heads and the ten horns. I'll say this as slowly as I can, even if you don't understand it. Okay? Has seven heads and ten horns, and the seven heads are crowned. But the ten horns are not crowned. They are not crowned. Revelation chapter 17. The seven heads are crowned. The ten horns... He says, the ten horns have received no kingdom as yet, but they reign one hour with the beast. Revelation chapter 13 now, the scene is changed. You see, does anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> I, you know, I just, yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't want to get into this. I'll say it anyway, for the tapeworms. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12, there's a woman around. Revelation 17, there's a woman around. Revelation 13, there's no woman around. This woman has been miraculously preserved in the wilderness. This woman is going to be destroyed by the ten kings. But in chapter 12 and chapter 17, the heads are crowned, not the horns. Chapter 13, the scene is changed. The seven heads are crowned, and now the ten horns are crowned. Because Satan has been cast out of heaven, the Antichrist beast has been manifested and these ten kings come into power all in this period of time. Because, I'm talking about her destruction, that's why I said all that. Her destruction is that in this period of time, the, the, the world, the nations worship the beast. So all false worship, all true worship is subjugated. They must worship the beast. So the ten horns hate her and kill her. God's put it in the heart. So God actually uses this government to destroy this church, to judge this church, because all worship in this period of time is going to go to the beast. So that's why I believe it happens early in the period of the tribulation here, because uh, the Antichrist wants the beast, must be uh, beast worship. So God uses the ten kings to bring about her destruction. Now, how many understood one thing I was talking about? <laughs> Father, help me. Help these people, Lord. Help their feeble minds and help their mighty fields. Yeah. I mean, feel much learning has made me mad. <laughs> but like Paul says in one of the, uh, at, uh, one of the translations, which I like, Paul says, 
As a preacher, I amounted to nothing, but at least I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, Paul could say that, I could. Okay, now let's see where we go from here. All right, now. Okay, uh, anyway, you should have got this, right? Her designation to Harvard, physician sitting upon waters, so forth. So I, I'm trying to be very careful here to tell the truth. I believe there's a great Harvard church. There's a strong worldwide church. I believe there's a lot of uh, daughters that have come out from her. Many of them have the same nature and same character, never been cleansed of that spirit. But I also believe that at the same time that this Harlot Church is in formation today, that the Bride of Christ is in, is in formation. So don't get mixed up with the wrong girl. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Come in for a landing. How many glad say, oh, God. Put on some soft music as the plane comes in the landing. All right, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 6. Yeah. Uh, and this is application, not interpretation. So don't attack me. Okay. Application. I'm just trying to watch my voice attend to, so... I'm happy to answer questions, but I just need to watch my voice. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, listen to this in verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. Let me application, not interpretation. We are members of the body of Christ. Shall I then take the members of the body of Christ and make them the members of the harlot church? Well, it's happening today. Because many denominations are on the way back to Rome. That's the picture. Yeah. All right, let's finish this session before we take a break. I can just feel the atmosphere where you say, Kevin, give us a break, give us a break. Okay. All right, now, what I'd like you to do is we just uh, finish off on this and then take our, a break for our last session here. Uh, I'd like you to uh, maybe put it this way. Put on uh, here Revelation chapter 17. And then over here, Revelation chapter 18. And what I want to answer very briefly is that some say that Revelation chapter 17, Revelation 18 is one and the same thing. Uh, just because of what it says in, uh, in the chapter, now let me read the verse, uh, the last verse of chapter 17. It says, um, it says, And the woman which you saw is that great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. Then Revelation 18, it goes on the city. So they say, well, it's one and the same city. I say, no. So I'm just going to say one, two, three, four, five, the difference between the woman and the city. I see them as two different things. So number one on the left side, on the chapter 17 and opposite. Number one, the woman represents the church. It represents a church. And I, I try to be careful on this one and tell the truth, as you can pick up. 
Well, I believe there's a great harlot church in the world today. Many daughters have been born out of that church, having the same nature and character. And uh, that church will rise against the true church in a great way and great persecution. It has through church history and it's going to increase far more than we realize. Number one, so the woman represents the church. The city, on the opposite side now in Revelation 18, the city represents a government. Commerce. Economics. Okay, so the woman represents a church and the city represents government or com commerce. Number two, the woman is ecclesiastical or maybe religious Babylon. The woman is religious Babylon. On the opposite side, the city is commercial Babylon. Okay, so the woman is religious Babylon, the city is political or commercial or political Babylon, combination there. Number three, and this is very important, to see the difference between the chapters, not say, as some do, they're one and the same thing. No, the woman, number three, the woman is destroyed by the ten kings of this anti-crystal empire when they come to power because they want all worship to go to the beast, just like under Rome and Caesar's days. So the woman is destroyed by the ten kings. The city, on the opposite side, is destroyed by God himself. God destroys the city by a great earthquake. The woman is destroyed by the ten kings, showing the woman and the city must be distinguished. So the woman is destroyed by the ten kings, the city is destroyed by God himself. Number four, the kings hate her, the woman, and burn her with fire. So the kings hate her and burn her with fire. And in contrast, the city is destroyed by fire in one hour. So the city is destroyed. So on one side, the ten kings hate the, hate the whore and burn her with fire, whereas the city is destroyed by fire in one hour. Number five, doing okay? Number five, the woman is spiritual Babylon. Like a religious, it's a spiritual Babylon. And number five on the other side, the city is literal Babylon. We'll do that uh, after we have a break. Literal Babylon. So the woman is spiritual Babylon, and uh, the, the city is literal Babylon. Number six, the sixth difference is the judgment on the woman takes place at the beginning of the three and a half years. So judgment on the woman takes place at the beginning of the three and a half years, tribulation. Whereas in contrast, number six, the judgment takes place on the city at the close of the three and a half years, tribulation. So one judgment is at the beginning, one is at the end. So I'll say that again. So judgment takes place on the woman at the beginning of the three and a half years tribulation. And judgment takes place at the close of the three and a half years on the city. One is by the ten kings. One is by God. Then uh, a couple of other points here. Number seven. 
Once the woman is destroyed, all worship is given to the beast. Once the woman is destroyed, he cannot tolerate any counterfeit worship or any other worship. So all worship, once the woman is destroyed, all worship is then given to the beast. It's the beast worship. And then uh, on the other side, the vision of the city, the beast and the ten kings are judged by God. So beast worship is destroyed and the ten kings. So in contrast, the woman who is destroyed by the ten kings, all worship is directed to the beast. But in the vision of the city, the beast and the ten kings are destroyed by God, judged. And then uh, finally on this part, number eight, the woman is called Babylon, meaning religious confusion. So the woman's called Babylon, meaning religious confusion. And the city is called Babylon, political confusion. The so one is... So they both have the same name, and the reason they both have the same name is because they both have the same nature, the same character, the same spirit that began way back in the book of Genesis. That's the picture that we have. So one is called Babylon, religious Babylon, and the other is called Babylon, political, religious confusion, and the other is called Babylon, political confusion. So that's the difference between the woman in Revelation 17 and the city in Revelation chapter 18. Alright, so summarizing all that, I believe that today in the world there is a great uh, harlot church. And um, yeah, as I said, I'm trying to be careful of this, but you see, when we, when we uh, think of, of Roman church, and I put a lot of statements in there that the Church of Rome in the last number of years, last 20 years, has invited all world religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islamism, Mahomism, so for all the different Islams, in fact, what, what is happening, if we, if, we, if we could do this, this whole Tower of Babel, like, you know, this type of thing here, uh, that's spreading, uh, Old Testament Mother Babylon is now inviting Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism, Mohammedanism, Baha'ism, uh, all the different isms of, that, of, of world religions, plus all the false cults and cults in Christendom, true and false, all invited back to the mother. And just recently there's come a, a letter from Rome itself. We are not all sister churches. We are the mother church, and these churches are not proper churches and eventually they must come under the mother. So there's a lot of activity going on behind the scene that uh, we just need to be aware of. So don't get mixed up with the wrong girl. Stay with Revelation 12. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.